0: I thought it was funny. There's two of them. We are in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside the still waters. He does this in order to, or as the part of the process of restoring my soul. And then, the phrase, He leads me in paths... Of righteousness for his namesake. For his namesake. Let's talk about that for a moment. There's a path. And that says to me that I'm on a journey. I am a traveler. This is let me before I really discuss some of the scripture words, I, I want to just take a few moments with a couple logical implications. First implication to me is if there is a path. Then there is expected travel. If you go out here in a field and you're walking through a field or some woods and you come upon a road, you say to yourself, ah, somebody's coming. Somebody's been here. Somebody's going to continue, or somebody's going to come here in the future. That's sort of the essence of a path. The implication is that I, as a human being, am a a traveler. There is before me a journey, there is before me a pilgrimage. I must travel. If I never move anywhere, if I never go anywhere, there's no need for a path. But the Lord leads me in a path. On a path. There's no need for such language. There's no need for such an explanation. If I'm not meant or designed to go anywhere, life is a tour. Life is a trip. Life is an expedition. Our human life is a mission. We're, we're, we're accomplishing something, but we're also heading somewhere, and there's a path made for us on which to travel. You know, your car has a trans, uh, your car, the transmission of your car, has a neutral. But that doesn't mean that you're supposed to sit in neutral. doesn't mean that your car is designed just because it has a neutral doesn't mean that it's created just to sit there. Your car isn't a picnic table. Your car isn't a pavilion. It's designed for travel. Yes, it has a neutral, but the neutral is just a brief pause between one one gear or another gear. The the neutral is a way of saying, I'm changing from this direction, now I'm backing up and I'm going this direction. But the car isn't about neutral, neither is life. You know, materially, we don't get a choice. We we have to move on. We're going to die. And move on. Morally, we can't pick neutral. We don't have that option. We have to take a stand. We have to pick a direction. Because there's a path, and we're going to go on the path, or we're not going to go on the path, but we don't have the option of just sort of standing and observing all through life and all of the world and all the people and all the circumstances and saying, hmm, I don't think I'll get involved. I don't think that I'll go anywhere. Somehow or other, I'll just I'll ignore the path, and I'll ignore the the fact that the path is leading somewhere. I'm just going to take it all in and enjoy the observation, but I'm not going to participate. We don't get to do that in life. So the implication, first of all, is that there's a pilgrimage, and I'm on it. I am a traveler. Secondly, to me, the idea that there's a path indicates, implies, that... uh, there's a lot of things by which help is needed uh, there There might be a lot of confusion about what direction i 'm supposed to go, so the road, the way the path is there to help guide me and show me which way to go. otherwise, I could stand here and I look out over the hills or the ravines or the desert, and i 'm like uh You know, I I don't even know which direction I'm supposed to proceed. Or it could be that the landscape of life is not simply confusing, but it, it may be that it's very dangerous. You know, for a sheep, this psalm is written by a shepherd and it's characterizing us human beings as if we're sheep. For a sheep, there's a lot of dangers. There's water and brush and rocks, quicksand, Thorns, uh, all sorts of little bugs and predators and so forth that can poison plants, all sorts of things that somehow a sheep has to be able to navigate its way through. Uh, Sometimes life isn't necessarily dangerous, it's just difficult. And for a sheep, there are things that are not maybe life threatening, but they certainly um, are (coughs) threatening to their prosperity. Excuse me. off. Sorry. <laughs> um, I think about something like mud, for example. If a sheep gets in mud, they have problems. They'll live, hopefully, but, uh, you know, weighs them down it gets matted into their wool or brush or so forth. Things that for a sheep may not exactly be life-threatening, but they still are made so much easier and so much better by a clear, obstacle-free path on which on which they can, they can um, where they can walk on. So, so if, if I can back up here for a second, I'm on a pilgrimage, if I can compare this to your life and my life. But there are problems in this pilgrimage. There's a problem of what direction to go. There's a problem of how to get there. There's a problem of an enemy who would seek to destroy me, and, and, and apathy which would seek to, take me off of the path and away from the direction and away from the destiny that God has for me. So we all face problems or potential problems like a sheep. And so in the process of life, the path of God for my life is what gives to me the solution for these problems. So if I'm lost, the path gives me direction. If I'm confused by what to do, what decisions to make, the path that God lays out for me shows me and gives me such a great sense of peace of, say, of, of knowing that while there's many questions I can't answer, I still, I still know that I'm, I'm fulfilling my mission in life because I'm following God's way, His will, His path for me. Or if, you know, if I'm foolish and I leave my key on on my motorcycle... It's a lot easier if I'm following God's path and God's able to somehow or other bless me and look out for me rather than to curse me and say, I don't, I don't want that person to have an easy life or a good life. I want to make their life hard so that they'll come to repentance. You know, it says in the, in the book of Proverbs, the way of a sinner is hard. Well, it sure it is because God's not blessing them. He might give them a lot of money. He might allow them to be famous, but He's not blessing them because He, he wants... Uh, he wants them to turn to him, and if they're turned against him, then he's going um, to seek to guide them or pull them, and sometimes that might, that might be difficult. But a path is a tool. It's the instrument which enables the sheep to reach its destination. And the same thing is true of your life. The same thing is true of my life. Okay, here's, here's oh, this is a picture. Uh, You know, when I say a path provides security or a path provides ease, it's not that you cannot possibly beat your way through the brush or over the rocks, but isn't it so much more blessed to walk on a path? Isn't it so much nicer? Isn't it so much easier? You could slog through the mud. You could wade across that stream, don't look like it's that terribly deep. You could pick up three or four leeches along the way and, you know, maybe have a a snake bites you on the ankle or something like that. But isn't it, isn't it so much more blessed to be able to follow the path and be on the bridge and, and just say, wow, I saw the beautiful countryside and I had the beautiful hike and I, I'm safe and I'm sound and I'm secure and I know where I was going when I left and I got back when I expected. A path is a wonderful thing. It's a tool that is used. And so, you know, this is, this is a... a this is an analogy for us for our own walk in the world our own walk with the lord here's another implication to me this is probably most important of all since the instinct to travel is built into us and programmed within to us and programmed within me since that instinct and that is is just built in there has to be a destination there has to be, and I'm supposed to reach it, or else the, or else the instinct wouldn't be, in, wouldn't be there. I was watching a robin this morning building a nest on my porch, which I don't like, and I'm going to probably move uh, when, I, when I have chance, um, and, and I'll just make her move it somewhere else. Anyway, there, was, there were just robins all over the place, and I was thinking to myself while I was watching this robin this morning. How that, even a month ago, you didn't, you look out and you didn't see any robins. And now they're everywhere because an instinct to travel and to migrate is built within them. And, and, and you know, scientists have studied this for years. It's an amazing phenomenon. And, and, uh, and they don't even fully understand it yet. Butterflies and, and, and birds and all these, all these little tiny creatures that have this incredible destiny, this incredible destiny. Uh, th- this, in- this incredible determination to reach their destination. And they will fly until they drop. They'll fall into the ocean on the way if they, if they get too tired or they run out of nutrients. But they will continue to fly, to move that direction, because there's a destination that, that they are bound toward. The same is true for you and for me. If God has a path in life, that means there's a direction that I'm supposed to go. And that can only mean one thing, that there is a destination that I'm supposed to reach. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. The purpose of your life is to reach that place. The Bible describes a person who is unaware of God or who is not oriented toward God. The Bible describes that kind of person as lost. A path is not lost. A path is leading somewhere. If you're out, as I said earlier, ranging around and you stumble across a path, you can be absolutely sure that path is headed somewhere. In other words, somebody carved it out or laid it out or beat it out just by continually, you know, think of the old Indian trails, just by continually walking in the same place uh, over and over again. A path was born, but the path was not intentional. The path was the result of the fact that between these two destinations, people were going back and forth. Always, until suddenly the path was there, then a road, and then a city, and you know how how all that goes. But, uh, this is, uh, this is, a, this is a, a logical thing. I want to mention one more. This, it seems to me, is logic. You may not agree, but you, you may not see it this way, but this is, this is where I come to when I think through the implications of a path. It seems to me that for us to exist on earth, uh, we would not have to necessarily logically be going anywhere. And there would not logically have to be a destination. There would not have to be, for us to exist as human beings, there wouldn't necessarily have to be a heaven or a hell. If you're an atheist, you don't believe in such anyway. If you're a materialist or humanist, you don't believe in God, you don't believe in heaven, you don't believe in hell. So you can say, if some people say, well, we're here, but we're not going anywhere because there is no beyond for us in which to go. I will say that could be true. But if it's not true, existentially, then the necessity of having the destination and the traveler means that there has to be a connection between the two. There has to be a path. In other words, if it's true that we are travelers, and if it's true that there is a heaven, then there's got to be a way to get there. There has to be a path to connect the two, to bring the two together. That's all I'm saying. And Psalm 23 is saying, God will provide, He leads me there in the path of righteousness. God, uh, God gives to me, he will, he will provide for me a place, He will provide for me a path to get to that place. And in the process, and this last part is, 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 has to do with this phrase, for my namesake. In the process of all, somehow or other, of leading us across the bridge and over the river and through the woods to Grandma's house, somehow in the process, God gets tremendous pleasure. It is for his name's sake. He receives uh, somehow uh, a feeling of great prestige and praise when our lives are guided through the mud and across the water and through the brush and the brambles, and straight to the destination of his glorious home. When that happens, God is, is, he says, it's worth all my effort. I feel justified. This is about the creating what I have envisioned. And that's why I say it's, that, it's for God's praise. He says this is for my namesake. We'll come back to that in a second. Okay. Uh, uh, let me go through three of these words and just, I want to mention two aspects of each one of them. And help me, if I get a little past about ten minutes, raise your hands because I want to give Alyssa time to talk. He leads me, that's how it says. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Two things come to my mind with leading and leadership and aspects of leading. Number one is you have to show someone where the path is. It has to be. This is called information. God will lead your life. He will show you things. Read the Bible. Talk to people. Ask for His help. Look at your, look at your examples of good and evil and see what happened to them. And you'll get all kinds of information to, because God will show you the path. But sometimes even that isn't enough. I mean, you know, I, I grew up with sheep. I've handled many, many sheep many, many times. And I will tell you, Sometimes you can show them the doorway and they don't go in. You can, you can show them, uh, you know, the, the ramp. You can show them the stable. You can show them the truck. And, and they just stand there. What do you do in a case like that? Do you stand there and, and reason and beg and, and sing to them? Or no? You grab them and shove them up there. And, and usually once the first one hits the doorway, then get back out of the way. Because then it will be a stampede. And they'll all try to get there in the same moment, and they'll knock each other senseless. And I've, I've seen this many, many times. But I'm simply saying, I've shoved sheep around to get them to go on the path. There's nothing wrong with it. It didn't hurt them. They're not particularly bright. And God shoves me around sometimes, and He shoves you around. And sometimes He has to shove humans, not simply giving us information, but motivation. Sometimes we know where the path is, but we don't want to get on it. And the Lord sometimes has to go and, and, and kind of move us through circumstances that get our attention in order, in, in order to, um, to, to motivate us. And the, the, the important thing in this, I think, is really this top sentence. The reason that the Lord does this, or the, the the way the Lord operates, I'll say it that way, is that He tries to get our heart to change. This is, why he, this is how He shoves us. God, I don't think, is so much worried about the direction that we go as He is the desire of our heart. And if our heart, if we get a new heart, we'll get a new direction. If we're lost... And as as the as the prophet Ezekiel says, God takes the heart of stone out and puts a heart of flesh in. He'll give us a whole new perspective and a whole new direction for life. And many of us here have experienced that. Where we said, Man, I was headed for this way, I was headed this way, and I was mean and I was self centered and as all could as, as I could possibly be. And God shoved me in a different direction. He gave me by giving me first of all a new heart. This is why I put this verse up here. It says, you know, the, you can heat up silver and gold and all these things. The Lord heats your heart up. The Lord is interested in in the analysis of your heart. And uh, if you if you if your heart gets right, your direction will change. You'll find a direction. You've heard this. You've heard me tell this story. I know. I'll tell it just real quickly because to me it kind of illustrates it. Uh, A number of years ago, it's Barry and Charlotte. Yeah, Barry and Charlotte are here. Okay. A number of years ago, their daughter was moving to D.C. and I and some others from our church helped. One of them was Roger Crider and Roger and I were riding. I rode with Roger. We helped to move. And after we were finished, uh, we were coming back home. The rest of the group was still there. This was about a little bit after noon, I think. And we weren't sure this was inner city and we weren't real sure how to get out of where we were. And, and Barry, I believe you went and made a copy of a page of, of, a, of an atlas, or else you tore, either that or he tore a page out of an atlas or something, and he gave it to us so we could get out of downtown D.C. Well, bless his heart, he gave us the wrong page. <laughs> or, or he copied the wrong page. I don't know which one it was. So we got to looking, you know, we started out, this is Roger and I and his pickup truck, and we're in downtown, the heart of downtown D.C., and we're looking, and we look at the streets, and we look at our map, and we say, uh, this, this map isn't the part of town where we are. We're lost. And we're wandering around, it's just like, it, uh, it, was, it was crazy for a little while. And suddenly, I'll never forget this, Roger Crider said, are we men or what? He said, doesn't the sun still set in the west? Well, let's go towards the sun. (laughs) And he just threw the map on the floor. Now, I ask you, did we get home? Yes, we did. Because because what we did was, we said, I'm not going to just worry about so much of the little details. I'm just going to get a new direction. And when that happens, the details will take care of themselves. If the direction is righteousness in your life, and, it, and you just want to get on the path of righteousness, <clears throat> God will lead you. He will show you how, He will show you the way, but He will also motivate you. Okay, let me... Uh, I'm, I'm hurrying, Alyssa. I see you come in. Let me talk about the, the path itself. I think this is the, the key thought of this whole phrase. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Listen you know we just saw a picture of trees and forest and then this opening there is the path represents the most basic divider or division of reality for one thing the path is order and the rest of the place is chaos that's one way to divide it that's one way to think about it that there's all of this wild crazy foolish destructive stuff happening everywhere. But somehow or other, there is a way I can live. There is, there is a, a, a path on which I can walk. There's a direction that I can take that will spare me from some of this stuff. <clears throat> this this picture that there's a way provided by God, a path prepared by God, truly divides reality into good versus evil, into... uh right versus wrong, into blessing versus cursing, into, uh, into simple versus complicated. Life can be pretty simple, or life can be quite complicated. And I see these folks sometimes on TV or in papers, you hear about such craziness, absolute craziness. People running around, chasing fame or fortune. Getting all completely worried about, worked up over things that are, are senseless and useless and foolish. Their world is chaos. I, I, I'll move on. Uh, but there's a path, there's a direction by which God keeps us very, makes choices quite simple. It's the path of righteousness. The other divider that it seems to me is part of the image of a path, is the simple fact that you're off of it or you're on it. I mean, when there's a path, when there's a road, you're, you're, you're going the direction, you're on that road, or you're somewhere out in the field looking for the road. I mean, there's just no other option. You're off of it or you're on it. Uh, two statements from the Bible, one from Joshua. He encountered some guy... He didn't know who he was. This guy's standing in front of him. He's got a sword. He's got armor. And Joshua looks at this dude, and he's getting ready to go attack Jericho. And Joshua doesn't know whether this guy's on his side or not. And that's what he asked him. Are you with us, or are you with the enemy? Who are you? Because my point is, there's basically two directions here. Jesus himself said, are you with me, or are you against me? You gotta, you, you, there's a path. If you're on the path, you're for me. If you're off of the path, then Jesus said, at least in this one instance, that that you're that you're really against me, and so that's one aspect of the path that it It's it's a picture or an image of life divided into what pleases God and what does not please God. But here's the other thing, and 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 this has to do with the fact that there's an S on that word in the text. It's a plural. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And I say to myself, what in the world does that mean? I thought there's just one path. I thought there's just God's path, just the path of righteousness, the path of justice, the path of, of, of obedience, the path of salvation that gets me to heaven through Christ. I thought there's only one way and one name given under heaven. And there is, and that's true. There is in one sense, there's just one path. But yet here he talks of paths. And I think, this is my understanding, and this is my interpretation of that is that while it's true there's one path to heaven, it's also true that God may lead us as individuals on many different paths of righteous service, of righteousness in discipleship and service to Him. Or even He may lead me or you on different paths even in our lifetime, at different stages of life. I heard I was talking to a guy just the other day. And he said to me, the goal of the first half of my life was to make money. The goal of the second half of my life is to spend that money serving the Lord. I mean, it was just his philosophy, how he, how he looked at things. He had retired early, and, he, and he, I asked him about helping me with a, with a project, type, and, and he was thrilled to do it. And he said, this is why I'm alive now. This is my goal. God has led me onto a different path than earlier years of my life. I'm simply saying, there may be multiple paths that are righteous path for you. So it doesn't mean for you career-wise or, or um, in some aspects of life, what God may lead you on at one point doesn't necessarily, I don't think, lock you in. And you, In other words, you might say, well, I can't retire, I'm on the path of righteousness. Or, I can't can't change jobs, this is the path of righteousness. Perhaps, you can. And there may be different paths that are righteous causes for you that God leads you on. And what does that mean, righteousness? Well, you can just be sure if God's leading you on it, it won't be crooked. And it won't be exploitive. And it won't be criminal. Because righteousness has to do with straight. And good. Okay. For His namesake, God's reputation is determined by man's representation. Uh, that's what it means. That we are His witnesses. And the Lord says to David, or through David, the psalmist here, I will lead you in paths of righteousness, but it is my reputation that, that is, comes out of it. You know, there's many places in the Bible... I, in, in some of the prophets in the Old Testament where the Lord says, you may think that I'm helping you out for your sake. You may think you're so special to me, but let me tell you, let me assure you. You read Isaiah 43, you read Ezekiel 36. God says, I will assure you, I'm doing it for my sake. I'm not doing this just for your sake. Here's a place in Isaiah 43. He says, look, I call you, but it's, it's by my name. I created you, but it's for my glory. I formed you, but I formed you for myself. It's my praise you know, even the last phrase there, you think, well, why did Jesus die on the cross for us? To blot out our transgressions. I thought that was for our benefit. And the Lord says, look at it. It's for my sake. It's not, it's, you know, again, as Rick, Warren, as Rick Warren has so famously said, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's for our benefit. But the glory, it's for His name's sake. Every human civilization belongs to God. It's for His name's sake. Uh, I had to think about when God came to Cain after He killed Abel, and He said, where's your brother? And Cain said, essentially, none of your business. I mean, He said, how would I know? You think I'm my brother's keeper? But in essence, that's what He was saying. None of your business. And the Lord didn't back off. And the Lord said, "Uh, I'll make it my business. His blood cries out from the ground, what have you done? In other words, God has the right to come boring right into your life because our lives are, our lives are lived for his namesake. And he's very concerned about that. And therefore, my point here is, if God gets in, sticks his nose into your life, don't get mad, be glad and say, you know what, Lord? You have every right and you have every reason to interfere with my life because my whole life is lived for your namesake. I was talking this morning or this this, this week with our friend Dave Dombrowski. You know, Dave has has uh, pancreatic cancer. It's late stages, and the doctors have said, "Look, you're looking right down the gun barrel. This is not good, and we don't have any option for you." And and Dave said to me the most wonderful thing the other day as we talked. He said, "You know, David, we've talked about this before." This whole thing isn't about me. And this whole thing, this whole experience in my life is not about David. There's a much bigger plan and purpose that this is all part of. How wonderful to be able to carry that perspective. It's for His name's sake. Let's pray. Oh God, uh, we thank You for the opportunity to have a, a glimpse of the path, to walk on the path and to know it's the path of righteousness,